Awesome. Okay, so today our goal is to chat about the talk, but I'm going to broaden it a little bit because I think when we think of the talk, we think of a singular event or like a weekend with the same-sex parent, and that is not what we're talking about today. We are talking about an integration of a conversation that's happening throughout our lifetime about our bodies and about our sexuality. Um, and so I think this conversation starts a lot earlier than we're used to, and it continues way past when we think it's over. Um, so get excited, uh, because <laughs> um, I know that we probably won't be able to talk on like every single topic in the depth that we're looking for, um, but I love this conversation, I love this topic, and I would love to be a resource, so feel free to reach out. I personally really like to study the area of sexuality, gender dysphoria, LGBTQ kind of things. And so if that's something that like your kids are bringing to the table or that they are asking about because some of their friends in preschool or at school have parents of the LGBT background or maybe they have friends who are like starting to process their own gender identity, um, I would love to have that conversation also because that is becoming really prevalent. Barna put out a research study maybe three years ago that said one in six teenagers right now identify not as their assigned sex. Um, and so that's just pretty significant in our culture and our society right now, one in six. Um, and so it's something that we should consider as a church because our culture is really teaching our kids about who they are and what their bodies are meant for. Um, and as the church and as Christians, we also have an idea, a little one, of what our bodies are meant for and how God designed us to function with those bodies. And so that is what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about how God designed those things. I have a checklist. It's so fun. Um, so yeah, this is a lifelong conversation um, about God's design for our bodies. Uh, Pope John Paul II was amazing, and he created something called the theology of the body. Um, and so he looked through the Bible and found all the lovely little places that the Bible talks about the body. And he said, okay, these are all of them. He created all these charts. He wrote this really big book. He became the Pope. And then other people have started like taking his research and kind of putting it into their own uh, studies. So like Christopher West wrote a book recently called Our Bodies Tell God's Story. And it's all about the theology of the body. Super fun. The reason we're talking about theology of the body is because starting at three years old, our kids start asking a lot of whys, right? How many of y'all have or have had a three-year-old? Awesome. So you get the why, right? They are asking why all the time. Why is the sky blue? Why is mom breastfeeding? Why is this happening? Why is that? You know, like all these why questions, right? And that happens up until like they're seven or eight, right? And around eight years old, they stop asking you why. Right? And around eight years old, they start more so like inferring why, and they start more so doing the do side of things. They're like, I cannot do this. I don't need to ask you why. My brain has created all these categories, and I can now conceptualize on my own, and I can move forward and do this on my own. And then at 13 or 12, right around there, that is whenever they're like, okay, I am fully able to do these things, and I'm going to make decisions about right and wrong. I'm going to make decisions about how and when. That, you know, this is kind of the process. And so those three stages, I think about as um, that three to seven stage, the why stage is kind of like purpose. Like we're, we're deciding and figuring out what is the purpose of the things. It could be about animals. 
It could be about sexuality. It could be about faith. It could be about family. We're learning the purpose of the why of the things, okay? And then between like eight and 11, we're working on competency. Um, we're working on how do I understand the things? How can I perform the actions about the things? Um, and that's what's happening kind of in that, in that range. And then we move into that 12 to 16 range. And again, that's about fighting. That's about, am I going to stay true to the right and the wrong of the things? And so we see these pretty strict markers in age range. Girls typically advance maybe a little quicker than boys through these phases. Um, so if you have a female in your family who is of the younger variety, um, they might be progressing past your sons through this. Typically, not always, but typically. So when we start thinking about theology of the body in these areas, between three and seven years old, we need to start thinking about how do we start having the talk with our, our three-year-old, right? How do I start integrating God's heart and his desire for our bodies at three years old, right? Um, I was talking with Chally a couple weeks ago, and this was such a fun moment, and she, like, she got it. We had been talking a few months before, and she was, like, ready, you know, and Chally was like, you know, Sam, we were out back, Boone was asking all his why questions, and he was asking about how flowers create seeds, and she was like, I was ready. I could do this. Flowers make seed because they themselves are gendered. Okay, cool. Because of the pollen and the bees and all these things, the bees take the pollen, they move the uh, pollen between these gendered flowers, and then they create the seeds, and then they drop their seeds. She tells all this to Boone, and he's like, okay, cool, thanks. Right there, they had the talk, right? They're putting down these very basic, general, why kind of concepts about nature in a very general, very broad way that then will relate later on to a bigger conversation that happens later. So we can do that with our animals. Hey, your puppy just had, or your dog just had puppies. Not your puppy just said dogs. Your dog just had puppies. <laughs> Let's talk about puppies. Let's talk about that process. Hey, mommy's pregnant. You know, yeah, there's a baby in her, in her, not her tummy. Where's the baby, right? Let's actually say where the baby is. Let's use the words for the things that you're asking questions about. Let's say penis, let's say vagina, let's say all the things, you know, because it really does matter. You know, I think language dictates honor, right? And in this topic in, in particular, we want to give it the honor that it's due um, because God was really specific about the creation of our bodies and specifically about our reproduction. Um, he created us to be able to reproduce so that way we could fill the earth with his glory. That was the original creation mandate. Um, so reproduction is a big part of God's creative mandate. And so we want to speak of it with honor. And so we want to speak of the body parts with honor. Um, we can also joke sometimes. You know, three-year-olds love saying poop. You know, we can be silly. Um, but we want to make sure they know the words for the fact of the, that we want to honor them those things, but also because if something bad happens to your child and they need to ex like share what bad thing happened, they're going to be able to share with adults specifically what happened. Um, I worked in a preschool for several years, and I have a background in early childhood development and education, and sometimes whenever kids would go in to report an abuse, the abuse, the person taking down the reported abuse 
wouldn't recognize the language the kid was using. Um, because it was a family language and not a, a cultural language. And so the abuse was missed right on the first pass. And it wasn't until later on um, that that abuse was recognized because the family language had to be, you know, um, trans as you said, what's that word in English? Translated. Um, and so, yeah, so that's just a, a point of, of reality in our culture too. Um, but in that three to seven year old range, the why is really important. We're setting the fundamental building blocks. Um, so we're gonna talk about it with flowers, we're gonna talk about it with animals, we're gonna talk about it with mommy and daddy, um, we're gonna talk about it with breastfeeding, we're gonna talk about it with everything. Um, because God talks about it with everything, you know? Um, and he created us to be competent and ready. And so that way when we do use these resources that I'm gonna point out in a little bit, it's not a surprise. Um, it's not a shocking conversation. I think we can all remember that middle school time being like, wow, everything is new, everything is shocking and kind of traumatic. <laughs> and it's because those conversations might not have happened, right? Well, we want to do a gradual entry into that thing so that way your kids actually can disciple the other kids instead of it being the other way around, right? For average first exposure to pornography is around nine years old. Um, and that is a lot of times where kids start to build in the schema, the common understanding for themselves of what is sexuality. That's where they start to build in this idea of how um, sex is happening. Like, how do you have sex? Who has sex? When you have sex? What sex looks like? All of these things are built in this private world of theirs if we don't start having these conversations earlier. Um, we don't start using the names of our body parts earlier. If we don't start recognizing, like, this conversation feels really awkward to me, <laughs> and owning that and saying, this is kind of awkward, <laughs> right, to our four-year-old, you know, but let's also, I want to tell you about it, you know. Um, just owning it and saying it is really important. And recognizing um, their ability level, right? In human growth and development, a lot of times we say the brain starts to ask questions when there's a lack. Oh no, that's so sad, Tyler. Just <laughs> I love this. Here's, here's my pants are black. Mm-hmm. Great journey. Oh, there's behind me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like PPR. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Tyler. It feels like urine. Oh, right. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, continue. Oh, I love it. Feels like pee um, So, yeah. So, um, the brain starts to, like, ask questions when there's, like, a, a gap in understanding. Um, and the kids will start asking these questions to fill in that gap of understanding. And what we want to do is we want to fill it with the accurate thing instead of this broad, nebulous, maybe thing that then can later be filled in with more information that might not be what we want them to learn. Right, you know, and so for me growing up, it was really challenging to learn about this. In that three to seven year old range, I knew nothing at all about sexuality, about body parts. We called it the Willy Whacker. We said, <laughs> I just love making that laugh again. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what we called the penis. We also said private parts, which, okay, sure, we can call them your, your personal parts or private parts. Um, we had no concept of sex in our family whatsoever. 
Um, and, you know, I didn't know anything until I was probably 13 and um, someone from uh, inside our family, but my aunt, started to share concepts of sexuality and sex and gender and all this stuff with me. I had no clue. And so my brain had this really big gap that it was unprepared for. And it just was like, okay, we're just gonna assume all this stuff is right. All this stuff is true. Uh, I'm gonna start watching some pornography. I'm gonna learn the things I don't know. I'm gonna start self-instructing. I'm gonna become an autodidact here. And then I'm going to move forward. I'm gonna be perfectly fine. Well, actually what happened is I moved forward with some attachment brokenness. I learned um, disordered intimacy. I didn't understand what body parts were for because we just didn't talk about it in our family. I never had to talk any of that stuff. And so what happens is your brain has this big gap and you're not able to move forward. You're kind of stuck. And what you need to do as an adult actually is to go back to those areas, those spaces that weren't instructed and moving forward. So that's why I'm really focusing on this three to seven year old range. It's so important um, to have these conversations. The next one is the 8 to 11, the competency one. I like to think about this a lot of times as like you are letting your kid go to the stop sign by themselves, but they're not crossing the street yet, right? Like you're walking down the street with the, or the, down the sidewalk, they're running to the stop sign, but then they have to stop, you know, or maybe like they're allowed to go around the block by themselves, but they're not allowed to cross any streets, that kind of idea, right? Um, here is we're figuring out how and what we're doing. Um, they're, in, they're talking to their friends about their body parts. Sometimes they're showing their friends about their body parts. Um, a lot of kids I know who are entering into puberty when, that I've worked with at USC, um, sorry, when I was working at USC, I would work with a lot of college students who learned about their own physical anatomy with friends. So they would be like, hey, my penis is starting to be a little different here, you know? And they just would start having these conversations together. Um, I didn't have that experience growing up, but that's a pretty common experience right now for today's youth. Um, and now they are teaching each other about the things, right? At this age of like 11, 12, sometimes 10, right? Um, and I'm so inadequate on the female side of things, and I just own that. I don't know a lot of those things, um, but I assume y'all have those conversations too. Right. <laughs> uh, and so what we as families can do is start to have these conversations preemptively and on the early side. I love these books right here. There's three of them. Um, one is for like, I think this is, yeah, this is the seven to 10 year old book. There's also like a 10 to like 13 and then there's a 13 to 16. These are just like devotionals. You just put them into your family devotional practice, like one every once in a while, and you just start having more like on, like on the nose conversations, less like flowers, less puppies, you know, and more like, hey, here is a diagram about babies. <laughs> We're gonna talk about how God honors babies, right? And how God created babies to be created, right? Um, and it goes in pretty well and it's fun. Um, there's like activities you can do in them. Um, there's three of these, they're really fun. Um, and so for that age range, the how side, we wanna, we wanna hold their hand while they're figuring out the how. Like, you know, how does my body work? Um, how um, does arousal work sometimes? Like they're starting to ask some of those questions there. How do I like people? 
all of that is kind of happening there. And we want to be able to like support them in that process. Um, I love Proverbs, um, personally, because the Proverbs, a lot of them are a mother and a father talking to their child about how to grow up. If you look at Proverbs like 8, 9, 10, 31, like Proverbs is bookended in this family relationship. And that's amazing because it's wisdom for how to grow up. And in that 8 to 11 range, so fun. What better book of the Bible to get excited about with our kids but some Proverbs, right? Don't drink from a fountain that is not your own. That's Proverbs 8. Um, it is uh, in the context of a father and a mother talking to the son. That's super cool. Proverbs 31, okay, we can go wrong there in a lot of ways, but there's also ways that we can go right, you know, um, and talking about the responsibility of the husband or the son, and then also what they're looking forward to in a wife or, um, you know, in a dating relationship maybe now, you know. And so that's kind of what I love for the 8 to 11 range. is like, let's talk about the how. Let's talk about competency. Let's get more familiar with language. Let's talk about like, what God's heart looks like, that kind of stuff. How does that sound? Yeah, we're kind of tracking. Cool. Um, then the talk continues into integration, even more so in that 12 to 16 range. I think if we're not done by 16 in some, done by 16 in some regards, then you know, it's going to be hard <laughs> you know, in our culture today. Um, these are my favorite resources. I, I love resources personally. These are some of my favorite resources for that age group. Um, this one in particular is a weekend getaway with your kid. Um, the same-sex spouse will go, or a same-sex friend. I've done this with a friend's um, son before because the parents divorced. Um, super fun, really love it. Um, I went through, um, as like a journal in there, a DVD guide, all kinds of fun stuff. And it, it, this one is for both genders. Um, or both sexes. Um, and you just walk through, like, I think it's like four video series. You go to this fun hotel or like resort or whatever you want to do, whatever you're able to do. Um, and you watch the videos, you eat yummy food, you have like the conversations that are laid out in the guide. Um, it's super fun. Um, and so this is a one time event kind of thing, but also in this age range, we want to like share some of our first experiences with our kids. I think the thing that I would have loved to have learned growing up is like the first time my dad liked a girl and the first time it went really badly, right? Or the first time my mom liked a boy and what he could have done differently or you know all these things like I think in this 12 to 16 year old 16 year old range, we get to share our failures really really loudly <laughs> because then our kids are going to learn um, they want to learn from our failure, I think, a lot of times in this 12 to 16-year-old range, if we have a good relationship, you know, and a healthy relationship. Um, so being open and honest is really helpful in this 12 to 16-year-old range, you know, sharing your first and going first, so that way when they have their first experience of, like, liking someone, and they can even do that in that, like, 10-year-old range, too, um, sharing your first times, you know? Um, not just like the first time you had sex, but like the first time you remember liking someone, the first time you remember kissing someone, the first time you wish your mom would have been there with you when this thing happened or that you could have told them, you know? Uh, sharing those stories with your kids while they're growing up. Um, 
because when they have their first, you've just now built the trust of like, oh yeah, me too. Like I've had that thing that you're going through. Like I'm not just this grown up who's really like ambiguous. I also have done the thing with, that you just did. And I failed and I told you how I failed. You know, I think talking about our failures help our kids a lot more than talking about our successes. Because we can talk about successes all day long, right? But sharing the vulnerable I failed here moments are really hard. Um, and so, and that's what we get to see all throughout the Bible, right? Like, every single, like, awesome type of Jesus had some crazy big failures, and we get to learn from them these awesome lessons, like, thousands of years later. So, share your failures. That's my big thing about that 12 to 16-year-old range. Um, these two, the older ones, um, this is about identity, like, gender identity stuff. There's a, this is the male one, um, and this is the female one, passport to identity, um, these ones are really helpful. Again, it's another weekend away, special time. Um, you watch the videos, you do fun activities that are centered, centered around the kids' interests, not your own. <laughs> um, and it's just this really sweet time for you to bond um, away from the noise of the other kids. Um, I have some friends who did this with their kids, and their kids like love having conversations with me about gender and identity, about their friends, because their friends like can't conceptualize some of the things that we get to talk about, about gender dysphoria or about um, how culture is deciding for us what male and female is and some of those types of things. And so um, those are super fun resources. These are some resources that Stacy pulled out that I know nothing about that are related to female <laughs> things. Um, if you're interested in female things and you have a daughter, I suggest them because Stacy did. Um, <laughs> Um, and so I know this wasn't talking about the mechanics of the talk. This is talking about the integration of the conversation that we're having as families, um, where we're being more honest about our bodies. We're talking more um, openly and candidly about our failures. We're going to say the answer to the questions when the kids ask them, um, mostly because I think, at least for me and a lot of the, my friends who are my age, our parenting, the experience that we had with our parents wasn't that experience. 